The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. A quick introduction for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before. I'm Daniel, and each week I bring you a conversation with someone who I think is inspirational or brings something inspiring to the podcast. It's about things that change or could change our lives, and that's why I called it Life Changes You. Listen to the range of topics around psychology, mental health, and inspiration, and find out how life changes you. Hello, and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel. Another week, a new season. We're in season five now. We've had a couple of great guests on so far. And if you haven't heard them yet, then you need to go back and have a listen to the other episodes. The first few people that are coming on this season are women. And I've thought that they are inspiring and strong women. And my next guest is one of those people. And I don't know her very well, but I've read her stuff. And, you know, this woman has been through some things and she's actually doing some great things for other women. So I'd like to introduce you to Louise Savitsky, who's a fertility and hypnotherapy coach from Sydney, Australia. How are you, Louise? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Oh, look, it's my pleasure. And look, before we came on, we were talking and I said to you, you know, look, you sent me your little bio and what you do. And I just thought, wow, this is a great conversation to have. And I mean, I'm going to learn so much from it and hopefully all the audience do too. Well, I, um, as I said, I really appreciate you having me on and it's just such a, I mean, infertility is on the rise globally. It's something that is unfortunately still very taboo considering the amount of people that suffer infertility. I mean, it's one in six in Australia wow. now. So everyone knows someone who knows someone if it's not themselves or a very close family member that has been through infertility or is currently experiencing infertility. And it's just such a, a taboo subject. It, it's something that not everyone or a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about. It makes them feel really inadequate, not good enough, not worthy. So for me, it's such an important conversation to have. And, and I just, my passion to be able to really get the, the word out there and the information out there and get people talking, having conversations about infertility, talking and talking and talking because, as I said, chances are once you start talking about your experiences then they open up about theirs and potentially they've also been in the same position. So it just normalises something that is unfortunately still such a taboo subject. Uh, and do you think that it's – is it more taboo with males than females? Or is it across the board with infertility? I think with well, I actually think males are a bit more open about chat. And not that I obviously um, am a male, so I'm not speaking from experience. But my husband obviously went through the same thing I did, and he and a lot of from reports from women whose partners have gone through it, they're more relaxed about it. They kind of have this belief system that it, you know, eventually will work out even though obviously at the time it's quite stressful and it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship, the men seem to deal with it a lot better. Women just really 
I mean, at the end of the day, it really comes down to to one thing. I mean, women essentially in a primal way were put on what, this earth to procreate. We have one job. Like when it, when you strip it all back, and I think that programming is is inbuilt in us. It's in our gut. It's in our nervous system, whether we like to acknowledge it or not. That's where it all really stems back to. And when we struggle to conceive, it really it starts to wear away at our we, we feel worthless, don't we? We start, well, you know, I had one job and that was to, to fall pregnant and I can't even do that. So if I can't even do that, what else can't I do? Or I, I'm not even worthy of having a baby. It really stems back to, to that. So then women don't really feel comfortable chatting about it because it's, it really erodes your self-confidence and your self-worth. So it's not something unless I guess that the the topic is broached by someone else that they feel comfortable talking about. And it's kind of, it's just, you know, she'll be right, you know, we'll fall pregnant eventually, or, you know, we're not even trying, so it's fine. Or, you know, just, you know, it's just completely swept under the rug. So I think women, because even though infertility is obviously 50% male issue um, as well. It's not always just the female. I mean, it could be a male issue. You don't know. But women take it more to heart and they take it harder, I think, than, than men. All right. All right, Louise. So if I can just take you or you can take us back, could you just tell us a little bit about your personal journey of where it all started when you were trying to get pregnant and it wasn't working? What, what were the reasons that you had? I guess it all started, I mean, we spend our 20s and early 30s these days not wanting to get pregnant, yeah. doing anything to prevent ourselves like from getting pregnant, don't we, you know, and then we're travelling the world, we've got great jobs, you know, we're we're living life to the fullest and, and pregnancy and babies really just aren't on the radar. So, I mean, for me, that was what the case. We travelled overseas, came home, had a, had a career and I kind of turned... 31 and I was like oh okay well maybe we need to yeah. you know what's the next step or maybe I should talk about ba- think about babies and I was like okay and no I didn't really it never crossed my mind that we would have any trouble and I went off the birth control pill and I just you know I didn't think maybe I didn't assume it would happen within a month but six months went past and nothing happened and I started to get a little bit sort of, you know, there's these little things that start ticking over in the back of your mind. You start thinking, oh, you know, oh, maybe there's something going on. You know, you started to get, to get a few negative thoughts happening. But anyway, and then I decided we'd go to the fertility specialist. It was yeah. about eight months down and I was like, okay, well, we just yeah. you know, go and have a look and, and see if everything's okay and, and just start to build up a relationship, do a few tests. And, and so we did and years went by. Literally, it took six years and we did everything. I did all sorts of reproductive, you know, tests. We did all the, we did IUI, we did IVF, we did everything. I had anything and everything. Um, we did it and nothing, I, was, I wasn't falling pregnant. And it was probably about five and a half years into our journey and my fertility specialist at the time I went in and I was expecting a failed pregnancy test and she delivered that news and she said to me, Lou, I can't see you for six months. You need to go and sort out your mental health. You will never fall pregnant if you don't. 
And that was kind of a defining, people talk about a defining moment in their lives. And for me, that was really a defining moment because I had really hit rock bottom. I, my mental health was in disarray. I was, you know, depression, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue. I was diagnosed with celiac disease two days later. So physically and mentally, I was broken. And I went to the dog park that night with my two little dogs. And I just looked up to the universe and I was like, I need help here. Like, I, you know, I, I hadn't been a very spiritual person, but I just looked up and I was like, I just need some guidance here. I need help. I need to know what to do because there has to be something going on here because it was unexplained infertility. So physically there was no reason why I shouldn't be falling pregnant. But six years is a long time, obviously. So I took six months off and I went down a path of really just healing my body and my mind. I I just got back to being me. I went and saw a number of different support people who could really help heal my mental health. My physical health obviously needed support. And I just started to do things that made really made my heart happy. And I used to love walking and I started running again and I started just doing going for long walks on the beach. I know it sounds very corny, but stuff that I used to do when I was younger and, you know, just stuff that made me feel like me again. And during that time, I said to my husband, or he was my partner at the time, I said, look, you know, I, I don't want to talk about babies. I don't want to talk about anything because our relationship had obviously hit rock bottom as well. But I want, we've been together 15 years. And I said, I really want to get married and I want to have something to focus on. So during that time, I put together a wedding in a couple of months and it was really good distraction for me and it just made me happy. It just brought joy back into my life. And in the December, we got married. And in the January, January the 4th it was, I made an appointment to go and see my fertility specialist again. That was exactly six months to the day since I walked out of the office. And I walked in and she took about 20 vials of blood to start the, the round of IVF, um, as you do. But during in that blood work, you take a pregnancy test as well because they have to know whether you're pregnant or not to start IVF. And I left the office and the next day I was sitting on the train on the way home from work and she said, are you sitting down? I said, yeah. And she said, you're pregnant. Wow. Yeah, I, like I, I couldn't believe it. Like it was just like a miracle. And nine months to the day after our wedding, our first son was born. Like it was just the miracle that I'd been praying for for so long had happened. And and it was during that journey when I was pregnant with my first son that the penny really dropped. It was the connection between the mind and the body and, and the influence the mind has over the body. And I didn't do anything about it then, but it, it was kind of the seed was planted. And I was like, hang on, I could really help support people in a way that that I was supported. So about a year later, I went and did some study. And it was really about six months after that, that I just started, my business was born. And I started to really see how I could make an impact on people's lives that were also suffering fertility to, to really educate my community on how much of an impact the mind does have over the body and your fertility journey because it's just not spoken about. It's, I had no idea. When I, you know, when you first start trying for a baby, you do all of the physical checks, you do all the blood work, you make sure you eat right, you know, you stop drinking alcohol, you do the correct amount of exercise, you make sure your weight is, you know, within a reasonable sort of 
framework. But nobody once says to you, how is your mental health or what's going on with your mental health? And along the journey, nobody until that last moment when I'd hit rock bottom did anyone say to me, hey, Lou, like, let's do a mental health check-in. So for me, educating women, starting from the beginning, do a mental health check-in when you start first trying for a baby because there's a lot of programming behind the scenes that only comes to light potentially a couple of years later when you have hit rock bottom, when you could have essentially done something about it earlier and you didn't have to get to that point. So, yeah, look, I mean, I myself would never have thought that mental health would play such a big part in someone becoming pregnant. Although I guess if you're starting to get these things like celiac disease, I know, and it wasn't necessarily my marriage, but uh, there was a lot of stress there and I got celiac disease and thyroid disease. And the specialist I saw said to me, wow, you're under a lot of stress. And I thought, well, I'm not really. But then once, and this is going to sound bad, but once we separated, I started to, my mental health went back to normal and I started to feel a lot better. I still have fibromyalgia and a bit of chronic fatigue, but I was able to manage that. But at the time, it must have been too much stress because everything, I was getting all these autoimmune diseases. And I guess for you as well, not only do you have to get your mental health in check, but you're also worried about why can't I get pregnant? Why can't I get pregnant? Is it me? Is it my husband? So you've got so much more going on in your head that's causing you to have more mental health issues, isn't it really? Because it's making you depressed. It's all compounding on you that why, why is it me? Why can't I do this? 100%. And we, as women, put so much pressure on ourselves. And the thing with, I guess, the link between mental health and or the mind-body connection with our fertility is those little niggling thoughts in the beginning, they become feelings over time. And those feelings then become your belief system, don't they? And that belief system is up here in your brain. So your mind actually has no option. It's, it's the way it's wired to believe what you're thinking. So your belief system is essentially what's being created over time. So if you're telling yourself, oh, uh, you know, I, I can't fall pregnant, I'm never going to fall pregnant, oh, this is not going to work month after month, oh, you know, like I'm not worthy of becoming a mum, my body is broken, my ovaries don't work, yeah. my uterus is broken, all of these things, they become part of your nervous system, part of your gut over time. And it's this belief system that is working at the unconscious level that unless it's reprogrammed, it's very difficult to fall pregnant. And obviously everyone's journey is different and this affects everyone differently. But if this is your belief system and it's affecting you so much that you're struggling to fall pregnant, then chances are this is the belief system that needs to be reprogrammed at the unconscious level in order for you to truly move forward. So you really need to get to the point where you truly believe that you will fall pregnant when the time is right. And the only way to do that is to address the issues and the belief system that's being created over the course of your lifetime. I mean, a lot of my clients I see, this belief system was created in the zero to seven, you know, when they were little, like potentially their mum or the grandmother had struggled to fall pregnant, had miscarried, had, you know, a, a certain belief system about their body's ability to fall pregnant and that program has then become my client's programming when when they were very little 
and they didn't even know it because it's happening at the unconscious level until such time as they start to try for a baby and then it's not working. So then things start to really go astray, don't they? Life becomes really difficult because of this programming that's happening behind the scenes that we didn't even know was there. That's amazing because I wouldn't have thought of it as you're like, yes, I believe in the belief system, but I wouldn't have actually thought of it as what happens if you can't get pregnant, you know? And as you just explained, if people are believing that it's their fault and they can't do it and they're going to have miscarriage, blah, 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 all those sort of things, of course, it's going to compact in your head and make you believe that it's not going to happen. And I guess what we usually see in TV shows and stuff is the man and woman get pregnant really easily and the baby comes and everything's amazing. And yet there are lots of people out there. I mean, look, I don't watch much daytime TV, but when I visit my mum at the nursing home and I see her daytime TV on, I see a lot of ads for people infertility, people not getting pregnant. And there's all these different ones. There's a lesbian couple, there's a like a clubby couple and, uh, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, it, it's good that things are being talked about. However, I think the problem there is the adverts are on during the day where most people who would need to see those ads are at work. So really we need to see that at nighttime during peak hour TV where those people will go, oh, actually, look, there's all these people who are having issues and it's not just us. Well, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I agree. And it's really starting that conversation piece, isn't it? So people don't feel so alone because infertility, even though there's so many people that suffer from infertility, one in six, it is a disease that suffers in silence because people don't feel that they can talk about it. So there's all these people walking around with infertility, but nobody's actually talking about it. So it only it just takes a couple of people to come forward and say, I suffered infertility, we struggled to have a baby, I know someone, and then it just it normalizes, opens the floodgate, and then it just makes everything the weight is lifted as well, isn't it? Because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not, the, even though you do know when you're going through it that you're not the only person, you still feel like you're the only person because of, I think it's how you deal with it because you just internalise everything. So it just makes you feel very alone because you don't feel you can reach out because of how you feel about yourself, your belief system about yourself. It, it, there's not one client that I haven't seen who hasn't had suffered from a broken heart and when I say suffered from a broken heart I mean you know many of my clients can't even look themselves in the mirror and 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 like what they see they hate what they see and I was the same I hated myself like I literally hated myself I hated what I saw I hated everything about myself I just I couldn't see anything that was likable and I remember somebody once saying to me well if you don't truly love yourself, then how are you going to welcome the soul of a baby into this world and truly love that soul of a baby? And that was kind of was like, whoa, like that was another sort of the penny dropped, the light bulb went flash, and I was like, you're right. How am I going to love this baby and show this baby the love that it needs if I don't even know how to love myself? So that's really what I have to start teaching a lot of my clients is really getting back to, to the core values of love. Like love is the highest vibration there is. And once we fall out of love, the vibration of love, then our whole world falls out of alignment and things just become very difficult. So 
So it's really just getting back into alignment with those highest values of love, joy, and trust and faith as well. Trust that there is a greater plan for us and 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 really letting go of that timeline and believing that you we will fall pregnant when the time is right. It doesn't matter if we fall pregnant now or in two years' time or in three years' time because at the end of the day we will become a mum when the time is right. And it's really about coming back to that true belief system. And once you really feel that and once you actually truly believe that, then nothing else matters because you just know, don't you? And it's just like a weight being lifted. So, But in order to get to that point, getting rid of all the old programming, it's creating a new story around your body's ability to fall pregnant, a new story about around what you're capable of. So that's the really important part to get you to that point, I guess. Like I said, it's such an isolating experience because you just fall out of love. So you don't feel you can reach out and nobody, you feel like nobody would listen or, or really It must be like total despair. And as you say, you must feel really lonely because I guess you feel like um, what you're going through probably no one else is going through all your friends, you know, they've all had perfect babies and, you know, and then you're going through it. So, you know, how can you connect with them on a level that they would understand how you feel? I mean, I'm sure they go, oh my God, it's so sad. And oh, I wish it would happen to you. But inside you're like going, yeah, but why isn't it? Why, why, why am I the one like this? Whereas you've all just had, had children easily. I mean, you have two children now, don't you? Three. Wow. So it really worked. Yeah, well, and, and this is what, I mean, like I said, every journey is different. But at the end of the day, it all starts in the mind at some point and it all starts with the programming. And, and I, like a lot of my clients present with really big physical issues why they can't fall pregnant. But they didn't get to that point without a, a certain belief system that compounded their physical issues. So it's really, that's why I'm just such an advocate for really understanding where you are mentally when you decide to start having a baby. Like really, even if you don't feel that there's any problems or you feel like you're really, you're in a great space mentally, the thing is our unconscious mind runs 95% of our day. So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but, you know, unless we consciously think about walking, we just put one foot in front of the other, don't we? And we just trust we'll take our next breath unless we consciously start thinking about it. So there's so much going on behind the scenes. And even if at the surface you you feel okay, you never know, do you? So that's why I'm just such an advocate for doing a mental health check-in at the beginning because prevention's better than cure, isn't it? You, you know, I don't want you to hit rock bottom to then feel like you have to do something because it's a horrible place to be. I mean, nobody wants to have to hit rock bottom to then come back up. It's just sometimes, unfortunately, we just don't listen, do we? We kind of, we live such busy lives. We don't check in with ourselves. There's the little niggling physical things, you know, we might have a bit of, 
I don't know, we're getting, a, you know, a bit of bloating or we're getting a bit of fluid retention or we're getting a few headaches or, you know, the skin starts to break out or, you know, there's little signs. We just don't pay any attention. Those little signs then start to become bigger signs. And then all of a sudden we're presenting with infertility and then we have to pay attention. So if we just really learn to, to check in with ourselves and, and really just take some time out of our really busy days and just sit with ourselves and just see what our body is trying to tell us, then we wouldn't get to that point. And that's something, that's the information piece that I'm really passionate about getting out there as well. It's so important to really mm. understand ourselves and those signs and not put them to one side because we're too busy. And I think one of the problems now is none of us are really focused on our self-care. You do have people that go, oh, what's your self-care routine? And, you know, I always say, look, when I've got a break, I might read a book or I might watch a bit of TV. And I I really learned about self-care last year because I was with the podcast, with work, with my mum being sick. I just kept going and going and going. And then what happens is you get a week where you're stuck in bed sick because you've just pushed yourself to the max. And, you know, I I think uh, we've become over the last, I'd say, five, ten years, especially with social media, we're more switched on all the time. We don't take a break. Like people will get home and start scrolling through social media because they haven't had time during the day. And usually that would be the time that you'd sit and talk to your partner or your family or a friend or, and, and now it's, it's, it is 24 hours a day. I mean, I know we've had power for decades and you can stay up all night, but I think social media has really got people to just keep interacting without taking that break to give our brains time to reset or to just relax. How does the hypnotherapy work with the infertility? I mean, look, I've had some hypnotherapy in the past for stopping smoking and I found it really useful, but how does it work with infertility? I mean, hypnotherapy is wonderful for infertility because like you said, I mean, one of the the first things that I really work with my clients is to learn to quiet their minds because their minds are, you know, I have a lot of clients that have really high stress jobs, you know, they're working 60, 80 hours a week, come home, you're expected to be a wife or a partner, you have a household to run and you have potentially a social life, on, you know, like it's just nonstop. So learning to quiet your mind and really understanding how to reset your nervous system because you know, we're leading such stressful lives that we're always in fight flight, aren't we? And this is causing more issues towards their ability to conceive because if the body is always trying to reset the nervous system, bring the cortisol levels down, stress hormone levels down, then the reproduction hormones, they get left behind, don't they? Because it's just the body. So if my clients can really understand this and then learn how to really rest and reset their bodies, their nervous system, then it's just, it's giving them a head start. So for me, the hypnotherapy as well is such a a magnificent tool for that because it really just, it allows my clients to, to start to quieten their mind. And then obviously with hypnotherapy, then you're more receptive to to different suggestions, aren't you? So then that's where we start to reprogram this this belief system that they have. So we can create a new empowering belief system around their body's ability to fall pregnant. At the same time as really 
teaching them how. So I've got to give them some self-hypnosis at home as well. So my clients can really teach themselves how to to calm their mind and really rest and reset and bring all of those levels back to homeostasis. So your body has a chance to, to look at the reproduction side of things. So hypnotherapy, I use probably 75% of my sessions because it's just it's such a great way to, to help my, obviously, my clients relax, help their bodies recover, and then also a great tool to use to start to reprogram this belief system, to create new values, new a new, a new story around the fertility journey. And look, I think um, adrenal burnout, adrenal fatigue is something on the rise. I know... When I first got sick 10 years ago, they did my, tested my cortisol levels and they said, look, you, it's so low. We don't know why it's so low. And my vitamin D was low. Everything was low. And that was when I first got diagnosed with celiac disease. But a few times when they've done tests on uh, my adrenal glands, they've said to me, um, you know, what are you doing that's causing this to happen? And I don't feel like I'm stressed. But obviously I'm doing a lot of stuff and you only have to do a certain amount of stuff for them to start getting depleted. And I don't think people realize how quickly they can deplete once you start overdoing things. And I guess if you're someone who, look, and this wouldn't be everybody, but if you're someone who's up early going to the gym, then you're working, like you say, 60, 80 hours a week. Then after work, you're going out for dinner with someone and you might go to a bar after that. And you're doing that three or four days a week. You are going to feel burnt out. You are going to get, like we've both had chronic fatigue. I know that back in the uh, mid-80s, early 90s, when I heard about yuppie flu and chronic fatigue, I was like, come on, just get to work, you know. It's not that bad. And then when I got it, I realized how bad it was and spent three months laying on a couch, sleeping all day and all night and probably awake for an hour a day. And my dad would say to me, why don't you just get up and go to work? You'll feel better. I go, I can't even keep my eyes open. Society normalizes stress. Everyone's stressed. You talk to us, oh, I've had such a stressful day. Like it's it's okay to be stressed because society normalizes it, but it's not okay and it affects our health. And stress leads to burnout, doesn't it? And we have to feel stressed at certain points in our life because we have to. But by being constantly stressed and not allowing our body to level out, rest, recuperate, and move on, then that's when we start to, to see physical issues happen isn't it we start to and because we're going so quick you know we're going 100 miles an hour and nobody has learnt now because we don't switch off we're on social media all the time we're we're doing this we're doing that we're at work nobody is just listening to their body so they're not seeing those little signs in the beginning that those little signs then have to turn into big signs don't they so for me teaching my clients to really it's a skill to quiet your mind, listen to your body. What is your body trying to tell you every day, morning and night? It only takes five, ten minutes. Just wake up in the morning, don't touch your phone, but have just have a little ritual where you do a breathing exercise. A great one is a breath in for a count of four, hold for one, and then exhale for eight. And I say do that. 10, 15 times, morning and night. It just resets your body and it means that you can just listen to what it's telling you. And if we all did that, 
then we wouldn't get to the point where we've got chronic fatigue, where we've got celiac disease, where we've got infertility, because we would have seen the signs earlier on, because there's always signs. We just don't listen. So that is such an important skill for all of us to learn and know that it's not okay to constantly be stressed. Because just because society normalizes it doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah. It's the same as well with anxiety as well, isn't it? I mean, anxiety has become almost normalized. Like I would say in the 70s and 80s, anxiety was something that, well, if you had mild anxiety, I guess that's okay. But as it gets uh, medium anxiety, high anxiety, I mean, if you look at the amount of people nowadays who are suffering from anxiety, I mean, I don't know how much it's quadrupled or even more. But nearly everybody seems to have some type of anxiety now, whether it's social anxiety, a stronger anxiety where they just can't cope, anxiety attacks. I mean, I had those when I was younger because I was trying to do so much stuff with little sleep. And in the end, I ended up in a ball on the floor in a, soup, in a shopping center crying. And an old lady came up to me and said, what's wrong with you? And I went, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm dying. And then I realized that I was pushing myself in all these different directions to try and do so many things. And sometimes it has to come to that point, like it did with you. You know, you had to realize that it's obviously my mental health that's causing this because I just don't love who I am anymore. And once we get to that position, it was when I got chronic fatigue, I, I realized, wow, I am doing so much stuff and what is important to me. And once I started cutting that back, you start getting better. And it's, it's a really hard lesson to learn that you and I have been through. And hopefully other people don't go through chronic fatigue because most people who say to me about chronic fatigue, they just think it's this mild tiredness. Um, and they say, oh, I'm so tired. And I go, oh, are you? And they go, oh, yeah, I must be like you. And I go, if you were like me, you'd know what chronic fatigue is, like sleeping five days in a row with nothing. You just can't wake up. It's, um, it's just one of those things. I mean, I guess it's kind of human nature, isn't it? We don't learn the lessons and we think it will never happen to us. And if we just put it to one side, it would just go away. And if we wake up tomorrow, it won't be as bad or we just convince ourselves that we're okay and we just function at, at 10% capacity when we're not a highly functioning human at all. Like it's just unfortunately what we do. But I guess, you know, through these conversations that we're having and and really hoping that we, you know, reach out to people and if only one or two people listening really take on board this message and start to listen to their bodies and don't let themselves get to the point that we did. Yeah. I think it's just such a, if we just continue to normalise, you know, by you saying that you have chronic fatigue and then somebody saying, well, why don't you just get up and, and go to work? I mean, that just, if we just normalised these conditions said, no worries, you know, you do what you have to do to get yourself better because we just push through, don't we? And then, you know, we don't look after ourselves. We don't self-care. It's, it's, if we need to take a mental health day, take a mental health day because we probably really need it. Like if we need to do something, what women I find, especially the ones that I see, because they don't love themselves, they don't feel worthy of doing stuff for themselves. We're always doing stuff for other people. So they're never doing anything for themselves. So, you know, it's just so important to say it's okay to do something that you truly love for yourself, whether it be a five-minute walk, whether it be just taking some time to read a book or just spending a day where it's just you 
like leaving the house and, and leaving it in a mess and not doing the dishes and not doing anything that you think that you should be doing, but just doing something that you really love because you need to do it. And, and that's okay. Like That's what we should all be doing. What you said is really, really good. It's really interesting because I would never have thought us having a conversation would lead us to where we went to. And, you know, that's just opened my mind to loads of things because I, I never thought of it being like you're the change in your belief system or, you know, feeling unworthy and, and all these things that compact and then do become mental health issues that then become physical health issues because there is such a correlation between mental health and physical health. And people don't realize that if you're suffering with mental health and you don't go and get that sorted out, then the physical health starts to go afterwards because it's not always, oh, well, I just have a mental health issue. If you have anxiety that's ongoing or depression that's ongoing or loads of other things to do with mental health, eventually it will start affecting your physical health and your physical well-being. 100% it always starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. And we don't really realise it because it's happening a lot at the unconscious level and we're not stopping, we're not listening to our bodies and we're not picking up on the small signs. So it's like, okay, well, something we're living out of alignment. Once we start living out of alignment with, with, our, with our true values, then that's when things start to get really difficult. And then when we don't listen to our body, listen to those niggles, listen to that sore back or the, the the bit of the weight gain or the weight loss or you're starting to lose a bit of hair or you've got a bit of a breakout, the body has no other option but to present in a more serious physical way to get us to listen, that there's something mentally going on. But if in the first place we had have just been on top of our mental health, then we wouldn't have to deal with the physical side of things because it just cascades. So if we all really spent some time checking in with ourselves, what is really going on with it? You know, are we really okay? You know, what's happening physically that, you know, that linked mentally and what can we do about it now before we hit rock bottom, before we present with cancer, before we present with infertility, before we present with some other disease that's really difficult to deal with? Let's all just stop being okay with being stressed and being anxious and all this, you know, they're almost buzzwords now. I'm so stressed and so anxious and this, that and the other. Like everything is thrown around like lollies, aren't they? And, it, and it's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay because we don't have to live like that. We don't have to live in this massive, big ball of stress and anxiety because life doesn't have to be like that. Like life can be amazing for us all if we make the choice to not live that way and do something about it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, it's really good. Uh, great conversation. I'm so glad uh, we connected because I think this will have a lot of people who are listening, uh, especially women. And, you know, I mean, I'll share it everywhere. And uh, do you want to give me your website address and any of your social media? Although I will, once this goes out, I'll put it in the show notes so that people can click on it and find you. But do you want to give it to people so they know? Yeah, absolutely. My it's just my name, Louise Sawicki. So my website is www.louisesawicki.com and all my socials are just Louise Sawicki. So I'm I think I'm the only one in oh, the world named Louise Sawicki. So just Google me and you'll find where I am. But 
I, I had such a wonderful conversation with you. I, you know, I know that you are so passionate about mental health as well. And I just having the conversation about mental health, just really, if we can just impact at least one listener's life, then it's worth it, isn't it? For the better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Look, I've had a couple of hundred conversations now, but every time I have a conversation with someone new, I always go away with that and then sit there for about an hour afterwards, analyzing what we talked about and picking things out going, actually, that was really important. Or that was a really good thing that, you know, more people should talk about. So, you know, someone said to me, they think my self-care is doing podcasts and lives on Instagram, because that's when I'm just a hundred percent focused on the person I'm talking to. And I really get a lot out of it. I mean, you have so much knowledge and you know, you've shown me a few different ways to think about different things, not just in infertility, but in mental health. And, you know, we're always learning and we can always learn from each other and then pass that on to other people. It was a wonderful conversation, Louise. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad that we connected and I 100% agree. You know, I, I, I get so much out of you and have gained so much value from your podcast and your knowledge around mental health. So I'm. it's just been such a a pleasure to chat and join forces. Uh, look, it's been amazing, Louise. Thank you so much. And uh, I think if you're up for speaking live, I could have you on one of the Instagram lives coming up in the next month. I'd love it. I have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. Let's do it. Uh, good, because look, there will be a lot of women out there who, who don't listen to the podcast, but listen to my lives. And when they find out I do both, they go, oh, I didn't know you did a podcast as well. I just always watch your lives. And I go, yeah, well, look, I do the live so that you can see me. You can see the person I'm talking to. It's all completely unedited. You can ask questions. But then the podcast is when we want to get a little bit deeper or when we want to have something that everybody can go back to and listen to while they're driving their car, going for a walk, going for a run. Because, look, so many people now are doing video podcasts. And for me, I like a podcast that I can stick on when I'm driving in my car and just listen. In reality, look, they might want to look at you, but who wants to look at me scratching my nose and rubbing my head and, you know, but... Oh, come on. That's just You're what it is. You're selling yourself short there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniel. I, I had the best time. I really, really appreciate the time. All right. Brilliant. Look, we will catch up again soon. But until then, thank you and goodbye. Have a wonderful week. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you, and I'll always respond to you. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other.